The Golden Globe nominations were just announced a few minutes ago, and so many of us are really disappointed, not because we think people need that kind of validation. I'm going to address that in just a second. But those nominations are very important for filmmakers, for actors and actresses, for everybody who's nominated. And I got a text from my daughter, my 17-year-old, who's a, a budding filmmaker. And even she was just disappointed, not only because in the best director category, it was all men, five men. It was that way in most categories for producers and everything else. So today I'm going to talk a little bit about those Golden Globe nominations and why it bothers me. Not because I'm looking for outside validation for all the people in those fields. There's a real reason there, and I want to unpack and explain it. This is Sean King, and you are listening to The the, the Breakdown. The the, the, the Breakdown. The, 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 The Breakdown. As a general rule in life, I try to make it such that I don't crave the recognition from from be it mainstream media, mainstream awards. Like I stopped years ago caring or hoping or desiring recognition or awards from mainstream groups because I understand that a lot of what I do really is countercultural is often a critique of the mainstream, be it mainstream politics or mainstream media. And so I don't expect those organizations or groups to really even respect me because I'm in a place where I'm constantly challenging and critiquing them. And even the very existence of this podcast, of the North Star, of the breakdown, is an open critique of the failures of mainstream media to be able to tell stories that just simply aren't being told anywhere else. So I never expect to be honored or awarded by the very people that I am critiquing daily. I have zero expectation of it. And when awards are announced for for leadership, for media, for journalism, I don't apply for them. I don't expect to be nominated for them because I know that I've taken stands that are often deeply unpopular with those very sources. And yet I have to say that while I wish that was the case for black and Latino filmmakers and all filmmakers of color, just to say like, Hey, we don't need the recognition from the golden globes, from the Academy Awards. And on one emotional level for me, There is truth to that, that today when all of the Golden Globe nominations were announced and they are overwhelmingly white, maybe some of the whitest Golden Globe nominations. I haven't done the math yet, but I've studied the list over and over and over again. Some categories are completely white consistently. They're completely white and and they are overwhelmingly male in all the categories where men and women could be nominated. Um best director, best screenwriter and producer, all of these types of things that have women and men available in including the best director category that has five nominees. And again, they're all men. And yet I think there's a legitimate reason for us to be frustrated. And, you know, of course, you know, we have to find our validation 
elsewhere sometimes. And I hope that all of those filmmakers and directors and writers and producers who deserve to be nominated today know that they are loved by uh, their fans, their viewers, their supporters, and I hope they get validation from that. But I, I have to push back because while I can say, hey, I never expect to be recognized or awarded by mainstream sources, in the film industry, having a Golden Globe nomination is vital for your art. It's what allows you to negotiate better contracts. It's what allows actors and actresses and filmmakers and set designers and, and, and producers and, 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 and makeup artists and people who do the score when you can say, I've been nominated for six Golden Globes or hell, one Golden Globe. Not even that you won, but that you were nominated. It puts you in a powerful position and that nomination follows you everywhere you go for the rest of your life. You, you know, when they advertise a film that you do under your name, they may say Golden Globe nominated or Academy Award nominated. These nominations in this industry are valuable. I mean, I, I would say that we could probably even do some math and attach a dollar amount to them. It just is something that allows a, a level of credibility a level of power and prestige to say you are a Golden Globe nominated actor, actress, director, producer, whatever. And so on that level, it is a problem. And listen, you can find your personal validation elsewhere, of course. But in an industry where these nominations and eventually those awards matter that allow you to negotiate just on a much higher plane, these awards are vital. They are essential. And that's why I'm frustrated to look at it and see that in all the uh, co-ed categories that it's all men and that in almost every category, it is many, many of the categories are exclusively white and there are very few African-Americans uh, or people of color nominated in any categories, but black folk in particular. And it's frustrating. And it gets back, it's a chicken or the egg argument. It gets back to who makes these nominations. They mean so much. They're so valuable. Well, it's a group of just 90 people, the Hollywood Foreign Press Association. And um, I, I'm not even going to necessarily go in on them, but it too is an overwhelmingly white male consortium of uh, uh, members of the Hollywood foreign press. And, you know, I, I know some people who like them and some people who, who loathe them. But either way, again, the argument could be made that from a cultural perspective, these this small group of 90 people, these folk are never going to properly recognize art and artists and actors and actresses and directors. They're not going to recognize people from other races nearly as much as they would recognize people from their own. And you could push back on that, 
But I just want to I just want to make the argument for a second that all of us see the world through the lens of our own culture. And we do that in ways that are often um, unknown to us. The way we see the world, the way we understand the world is just first nature. And so if, if you are a middle-aged white male, you see the world through the lens of a middle-aged white male that in a unique way, way more than you probably understand, just as a black man or a woman or, or, or any person of color, a, a, if you are a Muslim, you see the world through the lens of not only your Muslim identity, but through, through Islam, you see the world in ways that are fueled, colored by your culture, your faith, your religion, your nationality, your ethnicity. And many people will say, well, I don't know, I don't, I don't, I don't see the world through a white lens or a male lens. Of course you do. And it, again, operates in a way that for you, and I, I say this, you know, in a compassionate way, for you, you legitimately may not understand how much your culture actually informs how you see the world. It just does. And so when you get a group that is overwhelmingly white and overwhelmingly male and they sit around and make their nominations, hell, I love film and television. And I'm going through these nominations. I'm like, I don't even know who the hell some of these folk are and what these shows are. Because in my culture, in my community, on my Twitter and Facebook and Instagram timelines, folk aren't even talking about these shows. And I'm not here to bash these artists because I think every artist, white or not, who got nominated is very gifted. And there are many shows on here. I love them. Great shows. But when I look at best performance by an actor in a television series, musical or comedy, see, no black folk, not at all, huh? Or actress. None, you know, and I just keep going down the list. It's like, oh, damn, this is major white. And again, it doesn't mean that these shows weren't great. But let me get back to the chicken or the egg. When you have a scenario where black folk and other people of color aren't getting these nominations, it then hinders their ability to get better quality roles and projects and funding in the future. And so it's cyclical. When people of color and women and other marginalized groups are not properly recognized with these awards, it then just continues to perpetuate the reality over and over and over again. When not a single woman is nominated for Best Director, it again is a self-fulfilling prophecy where people are going to continue to be more apt to hire men as their director when the most talented women in the world aren't recognized properly. And that's just where we are. Listen, I want to come back and close, but first I have a quick announcement from one of our sponsors. Living in New York is so damn expensive, and my wife and I are trying to put ourselves in a position where we can eventually buy a house here. 
But in order to do so, and property is so expensive, we're going to have to save like crazy, get our credit in perfect condition, and eliminate all or almost all of our debt. And that's one of the reasons I love Lightstream, and we're glad to have them as a sponsor on the show. You can refinance your credit card balances and save with a credit card consolidation loan from Lightstream, and you can get a rate as low as 5.95% APR with AutoPay. Now listen, your credit does have to be pretty good all the way up to great to get this product, but it's a great way to save money on high-interest credit cards, cut that debt down, and eliminate the debt you have and put it in one single place. Just for our listeners right now, you can apply to get an additional interest rate discount, but the only way to get that discount is to go to lightstream.com slash king. That's lightstream.com slash king for an additional discount. That's L-I-G-H-T-S-T-R-E-A-M dot com slash king. Of course, all of this is subject to credit approval. The rate includes a half percent auto pay discount. Terms and conditions apply and offers are subject to change without notice. But go ahead, check it out. Visit lightstream.com slash king to get more information. Break it down. As I'm recording this episode of The Breakdown, I have in the background the continued impeachment hearings of Donald Trump. And I said a few weeks ago, I said last week, that it was my best guess that Donald Trump was going to be impeached in the House before Christmas. And it absolutely appears that that's going to be the case. Uh, The impeachment process is moving forward very quickly. And Republicans have themselves in a weird position. They are saying, hey, these hearings aren't fair and we're not getting both sides of the story. And I don't blame them for saying it. It's a lie. (laughs) Like, it's maybe the only thing they can say at this point. They can't dispute this case on the facts. And so they have to focus on procedure to say, like, this process is a sham. But again, and I've said this before, the reason they don't have both sides, quote unquote, both sides testifying is because Donald Trump and almost his entire administration have refused to testify. So you can't, they've been subpoenaed. They have been requested to appear there. You can't refuse to testify, then say, hey, we don't have both sides here. I don't know that the problem with it is I don't know that the average American who's watching this understands it. And of course, the problem is also how we digest media for the millions and millions of people that watch Fox News. They're not making it out like uh, it's it's a fair process. They are they are doubling down on the Republican and, and, and White House talking points that this whole process is a sham, even though the only reason it's one sided at all is because Trump and so many of the members of his team and administration refused to testify. I know right now that if Trump wanted to testify, they would have him there in a heartbeat. If Rudy Giuliani wanted to testify, you know, Democrats would have them there in a heartbeat. And they've been subpoenaed. They've been requested. They refused. And the same is true for Rick Perry and John Bolton and and, uh, Mick Mulvaney and so many others. And so I think it do, their refusal to participate, I think, 
is a problem. I wish that Democrats would have somehow forced them to testify. And um, yet here we are. And I think they would wilt. All of those people would wilt under the pressure of just the most basic questions because they know that they've lied and misrepresented them in so many ways. That's why they're refusing to testify. Yet I do think in in a disturbing way that their refusal to testify is a problem for Democrats because these people aren't there testifying. It makes the process look, you know, a bit incomplete. And um, I wish there had been a way to compel, if not Trump himself, to compel others to testify. I know that's being fought in the courts at the moment. And and maybe there'll be a way to force some of those members of the administration to testify. I think it'd be worth having them. And uh, I think they would struggle to tell the truth under oath without violating that oath. And uh, I think they would they would struggle uh, and they would struggle not to implicate Trump and themselves in actual crimes and, and abuse of power. And so I think this process is going to move forward quickly. It's not that I want it to slow down. I just do wish that they had forced that Democrats had forced the hands of the Republicans to make the, the closest members of the Trump administration testify. Again, I continue to think that Trump will be impeached in the House. It could be this week. Uh, it, could, it could be next week. I definitely think it appears that it will happen before the holiday. But um, here we are. And again, I push back on this idea that it's just a technicality. It's not a technicality. The, the House is doing their job, even if the Senate does not do theirs. And... Trump, like most American presidents, is already starting to think about his legacy. And I saw something that leaked from the White House that Trump hates the idea that in history it will always list him as being an impeached president. But that's going to happen, period. And what happens is these uh, these folk get in the White House that that end up caring deeply about what their name means throughout history. And I think um, I think Donald Trump is going to be held as one of the worst presidents in American history. I think he'll be in the, the bottom five, the bottom 10, and uh, the impeachment will put him down there. I think, I mean, I would make the argument that he was one of the five worst presidents of all time. There have been some horrible ones, but he has to be right up there, maybe even in the top two. But uh, he will be impeached. I'll be tracking along. Tomorrow I'm going to analyze several cases of police violence that are going on all over the country. And those stories, if we don't tell them, those stories just simply aren't being told on the national level. So we'll be right back here tomorrow. Of course, thank you so much to all of our founding members and donors and backers. Of course, thank you to our associate producer, Lissandra, and our senior producer, Willis, for their hard work on this and every episode. Take care, everybody. Break it down. The break, 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 the break